welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach and accompanist on the music staff of the Zempo Oper in Dresden, Germany. Since the school year and opera seasons are starting back up, it's time for some new episodes, and we have some fun things planned for this season. There are two versions of this episode, the full video tutorial or an audio version for people who prefer to listen to podcasts while they're out and about. In episode 97, we work through the mezzo aria Va l'esseculé mes larmes from Werther with Dr. François Germain, focusing on bright A, a little bit about nasal vowels, and a lot about the subtext of this aria. François has been working with me as the French coach for Les Troyens at the Zempo Oper this summer, and is back again now to keep us in line for the premiere, so we've been having a blast obsessing about diction together, as you can imagine. For more information about François Germain, or for the accompanying PDF of this text, which includes an IPA transcription along with the poetic and word-for-word -word translations, please visit DictionPolice.com. You can also follow the Diction Police on Facebook or Twitter at Diction Police. The opera Werther was composed by Jules Massenet to a libretto by Edouard Blot, Paul Millier, and Georges Hartmann. This libretto was based on Goethe's partially autobiographical novel Die Leiden des Junges Werthers, The Sorrows of Young Werther, which had also inspired other operas before Massenet's version. The aria Va l'esseculé mes larmes comes in the third act, after Charlotte's letter aria. Her young sister Sophie is trying to cheer her, but Charlotte replies that some tears need to be shed or the teardrops will fall back into her soul. Va, laisse couler mes larmes, elles font du bien, ma chérie. Les larmes qu'on ne pleure pas dans notre âme retombent toutes, et de leurs patientes gouttes martèle le cœur triste et là. Sa résistance enfin s'épuise, le cœur se creuse et s'affaiblit. Il est trop grand, rien ne l'emplit, et trop fragile, tout le brise. We're going to start this one off by not talking about diction, but talking about subtext and intent. Because as a mezzo, when you look at this aria, we all want to scream, ah! and scream at somebody. No, and it's, and it's, it's very tempting because the first note on that nice ah vowel <laughs> feels really good, right? It calls for, you know, a big sound and letting it all out. As Anna Russell would say, you like to startle your audience with a loud bellow. That's, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> Even though the indication in the score also gives us license to be loud and because it is forte and the orchestration before that is forte, we don't necessarily want to be huge and scream at people, right? No, that's correct. And I think, so there, there's two things maybe that can help with this. Uh, actually, go listen to the orchestra because the, the introduction is actually not loud. It's one, one melodic line, not terribly loud. Uh, it's very sort of sad and sullen sounding. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other thing that helps uh, is to remember who Charlotte is talking to at that point. And then she's addressing Sophie, her sister, whom she loves very much. And, and she, she's basically raised her sister. She's, so she's almost a mother to her sister. That's correct. It's not an angry statement. It's, it's something that's still uh, very much motherly or, or tender. Mm -hmm. uh, and just a way of Yes, she's dismissing Sophie in that, in that moment, uh, but at the same time, she's trying to comfort her uh, to 
by telling her that it is okay to feel the way she does right now and to, yeah. to not worry about it, essentially. Exactly. To, to give her license to cry, basically. Right. To give her the chance to get her feelings out. Exactly. So if you think about maybe the, the tenderness that that would exist between these two characters, then you will be more inclined to find the right the right color for that initial va, no matter how tempting it is to just let it all out. <laughs> One of the things I find very difficult in French is to get an a vowel followed by an R, because I see an R and my American brain wants to go la, whether I know that it's larm or not, my brain heads for an R. So two things about that. First of all, the A in French, the bright A, so the, the this lowercase phonetic A that we see most of the time, is a bright vowel. It is, it is pretty much like the bright A in Italian. Mm -hmm. And if you've been coached in Italian, I'm sure you've been coached to have bright A's everywhere. There is another A in French that exists, which is the dark A. We probably have it somewhere in Wait, this piece. I thought we had, yes. Yeah, dans l'autre âme, uh, which is, that's actually the most common word that you would find in poetry. We also have it in la a little bit later. Uh, so it does happen with the dark A. But I would say 85% to 90% of cases, we have a bright A. So that's the first thing to remember. The A is bright. The second thing to remember about what you're describing here is is our favorite topic of singing on vowels in French and sort of pushing all the consonants to the next syllable all the time. Mm -hmm. And in this case, not anticipating the R at all. Uh, even even if you have all the best intentions about flipping your, your R and you know, you're, you're not going to do a rhotic R at all and all that's great, you still have to rethink about putting that R with the next syllable, in this case, the M. So the R belongs to that M with the schwa afterwards. R-M. And the la is really the sound that you want to sing on for that pitch. La -me. So you, basically, we want to hear this la in the same way we want to feel va. Exactly. Yes. And and that's always very helpful when you have vowels that are the same within a short distance to, to really use them as a reference point, something that you come back to. Va, la, same sound. Va, laisse couler mes larmes. And you can you can use that as a, as a center for the whole the whole verse. Exactly. We don't say the R at the end of coulis. No, we don't. So that's a that's a silent R. French is famous for the amount of silent consonants that we have. This is one of sort of the easy cases to identify. Uh, it's a verb in the infinitive, uh, the first group to be technical that ends in er, and in this case the R is completely silent and it's a closed A instead. Coulis. Um, That's really most important to remember with infinitives because when we have it at the ends of regular words, we often do pronounce it. Yes, like the, the you know, a very common word, the word for heart, cœur, uh, that is not assigned R. Uh, you, you, you do pronounce it. But if you see the ER ending, it's very likely going to be a verb and you will uh, therefore know not to pronounce it. That also goes back to the idea that uh, you should also know your grammar and have some knowledge basis for the language itself so that you can actually identify what's a verb, what's a subject. Exactly, uh, because the these, these verbs, they tend to have ER or IR, and then there's the RE ones, but so there's, there's all right. kinds of things that, that go along with the grammar that we can recognize. Exactly right, and, and so if you know that this is a verb, then you know you have the ER ending, and you know you know it's silent and you don't have to look it up. Yeah. The other thing is, I'm just going to stick around with this first sentence because there are a lot of rules that come along with this. The possessive pronouns, mm -hmm. the plural possessive pronouns, 
are spoken are sung differently than they're spoken. Yeah, so we're talking about me, and as in me larm, or le larm. So basically, every plural article, so m e s l e s d e s c e s s e s t e s. I'm probably forgetting some. Will always be sung with an open e. You will hear them spoken with a closed e, and very often in dictionaries you will find an IPA transcription that will tell you that it's a closed e. Uh, but that's that's sort of a I would say a colloquial evolution of the language, where the the way we speak French has migrated a little bit from proper lyric diction. And this is a case where you would be well advised to actually go back to more traditional lyric diction and, and sing the open e. Now I will I will say that uh, you will hear singers uh, and French singers that will actually sing on a closed a in mm -hmm. these in these cases, or sometimes even kind of an in between between a closed a and an open e. Mm -hmm. But I I think it's nicer. It sings better to have a little bit more open vowels on these short words. So I always coach it as an open e. I mean, that having been said, if you feel like this le being on a lower note needs to be closed for yes. purposes of phonation, it would not make it impossible. It wouldn't make it sound wrong. That's exactly right. I think you have it's a it's a it's a topic where you actually have an option, mm -hmm. uh, and, and we have a little leeway. This leeway, and the good news about it is that whether you say le le le, it won't sound wrong. They, they will all sound right. They will all still sound French. So it just becomes a matter of maybe vocal uh, choice or stylistic choice, but it's it, it's not wrong. Yeah. One of the problematic vowels I find is the e nasal. I find that a lot of people get the e nasal mixed up and try to sing it as an a nasal. Mm -hmm. Well, there, I think there are actually two things that can happen to the e nasal. We have it here in the second verse, elle fond du bien. Bien. And then we have it towards the end, il est trop grand, rien ne l'emplit. And rien, bien, rien. Two very common words. Um, you will have to sing them all the time. <laughs> so, again, the first thing to remember about the nasal vowel is that you have to establish your underlying vowel before you do anything about the nasality. And so what you're describing is a case where the underlying vowel is not established properly. Mm -hmm. This should be an open e. And you're right, I've heard it too, where it sounds more like an ah, uh, ah, uh, almost like a, a dark ah uh, nasal, yeah. bien, mm -hmm. instead of bien with an open e. Eh. So you have to be very clear on that. The other thing that I tend to hear a lot with, uh, with this uh, nasal vowel is, is sort of the, maybe the side effect of trying to correct that problem, and the e eh becomes too tight or too nasal, and then becomes like eh. When the soft palate comes down, yes, then. There's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's one of the... I think the onazar and the enazar are the ones that have uh, that are the trickiest for that. Where it's it's tempting to put them in the nose a lot, mm -hmm. yeah. But then if you do that, you will lose you will lose your your resonance. Well, and I mean, I always make a joke and say, you know, the the enazar quacks like a duck. That's right. But if you quack too hard, <laughs> then yeah, you that's really correct. Get that, that shut down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be you don't want to be a quack. Quacky, <laughs> or, too, or too quacky. You don't want to be quacky quack a too much. Bit. Yeah, you want to <laughs> think about the duck, but don't 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 quite get there. Don't channel the <laughs> duck. Exactly. <laughs> Since we're talking about nasal vowels, and you just said the o nasal is also more problematic, mm -hmm. we have that coming up in a few words. Yes. Yeah, so we have the next two verses: les larmes qu'on ne pleure pas, and then dans notre âme retombe. And as as we said for the open e nasal. Just make sure you establish the closed O properly. And particularly in this case, and especially for the retombe, because of the range, 
uh, I find that if you try to nasalize that too much, you will really lose the, the, the resonance a lot. And uh, that's one spot where I actually coach singers to pretend there is no na uh, nasal vowel at all. To just sing, retourbe, tour. Oh, just a pure closed O. Just a pure closed O, which when you speak it sounds wrong and it doesn't sound like retourbe, uh, retourbe. But when you sing it, because of the amount of air that is actually uh, already going through your nasal cavity, it, it will actually uh, sort of magically sound like a, a nasal vowel without having the, the difficulty of the, the lower soft palate in that range that, that can be a little bit tricky. Yeah, and this word actually brings up a common mistake between this one and... Martel. We said the E-N can be like bien, can become the N nasal, but in this case, this is the third person plural. And in this case, the ENT ending is just a schwa. Yeah, so we go back to our idea about knowing your grammar a little bit. And uh, if you know that the retombe and martel are two verbs uh, conjugated in the third person plural, then you know that that ENT is actually just a schwa. It's not an anasal, which is usually what people try to do here. Retombant or martelant. Because that ENT spelling could also be an anasal, right? Like, exactly. And if you, especially with martel, um, if you see L-E-N-T, you might know the word for slow in French, lent, and, there, and then logically you would think that this should be martelant. Exactly, or the word for content. Content. Exactly, there, are, there are words that end in E-N-T. That are uh, with an anasal uh, because they're not verbs conjugated in the third person plural. Yeah. So in this case, just a choix. And that will happen a lot. Uh, you, you know, we tend to have verbs that are conjugated, uh, yeah. so, um, <laughs> as do most languages. <laughs> so, so you will you will see this. Uh, it's it's not a rare occurrence, and that's one rule that you should probably try to to remember. Yeah, is there a rule to know when a T between two vowels or a T followed by an I becomes an S? We have we have the word patiente, and suddenly this T is no longer spoken as a T. Is there a rule that we can know? So it's not really a rule. It's more a, a case of most frequent case scenario. <laughs> if you have um, if you have ti followed by either e or o, it will m in most cases be uh, an s sound, but not always. Okay. Uh, for instance, so here we have patiente. Uh, it's a good example of the t that turns into an s, but the word for yours, le tien then it's actually a T pronounced T. But there's plenty of words that have the T-I-O-N ending. Attention, nation. So the T-I spelling is most of the time an S J-glide sound. But not always. Not always. So if you don't know, you, you should probably check it. And there's some words that might surprise you too. Like I know that I, one word that I have to check all the time, well, not anymore, but I used to, <laughs> is uh, in the VC, uh, extase yeah, because in other languages it would feel like like ancien, ancient. That's right. Would work. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them we see like like the word nation, nation mm -hmm. is a word that would end up being like that in French. So it yeah. would feel like ancien would follow ancien would follow the pattern, but it's not. That's correct. That's correct. I made one mistake in our discussion that Francois actually corrected. I called the words L-E-S and M-E-S pronouns, but they're really articles. I just wanted to make sure not to let that mistake go past without saying something. One of the reasons that people sometimes mix up when to pronounce an E nasal is the spelling. 
because the spelling en can either be the e nasal or the anasal. So it's important to double check if you're not sure. Many times when the en occurs after a j-glide, it will be the e nasal, as we saw here with bien and rien. And this also includes the conjugations of verbs venir and tenir, vien and tien. But not always, as we see in the word patiente. In enfin and l'ampli, we can hear that the en and em spellings are both anasal, just like grand and résistance. The spelling em will only be the anasal. If the spelling in creates a nasal vowel, this will always be the e nasal, as in enfin. One vowel that many singers try to shy away from is an e vowel, the lowercase i, and it becomes an important sound at the end of this aria. The words fragile and brise both need a pure e in order to be clear, but often singers worry that this sound is too tight and too piercing, or as I like to say, too ugly. <laughs> in the case of this vowel, it's important to embrace the ugly. A good e needs to have the back of the tongue arched in order to be pure. The way to keep it from not sounding pinched is by keeping the soft palate up, not by lowering the tongue too much. Especially in a lower tessitura, singing a pure fragile tout le brise can help not only with clarity, but also with projection, because the vowel isn't getting trapped inside the mouth the way it does if you try to protect it and say fragile tout le brise. One thing to always keep in mind is that we don't double consonants in French, but rather always sing the vowel as long as possible. So in words like laisse, elle, goutte, and s'affaiblit, probably most importantly s'affaiblit, don't think that by doubling these double consonants that you'll somehow be emoting more. Instead, emote through the length of the vowel for better sounding French. Va, laisse couler mes larmes, elles font du bien, ma chérie. Les larmes qu'on ne pleure pas dans notre âme retombent toutes, et de leurs patientes gouttes Martèle le cœur triste et là. Sa résistance enfin s'épuise. Le cœur se creuse et s'affaiblit. Il est trop grand, rien ne l'emplit. Et trop fragile, tout le brise. This interview with François Germain was conducted by Ellen Rissinger. Translation and phonetic guide by François Germain. This has been the Diction Police Special Diction Unit, a production of Singing Diction GBR.